Welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Stephen White. Stephen, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? I am in a great mood. It's playoff football time. I love, we love playoff football on this show. It's a, it's a, it's a damn sight better than your, you know, the old trying to get hyped up for a Thursday night game, so... Right, and we got some really good games coming up this weekend, too. Uh, but last weekend's game, as we kind of predicted, uh, were all pretty exciting. They all went down yeah. right to the wire. Uh, we, we saw a playoff game where uh, only a total of 13 points was scored between the two teams, <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't because of snow or rain or fog or anything like that. No. So we had a little bit of everything last week. Yeah, we did. And I... It's You know, we all, almost all of us, picked the home teams to win last week. And Saturday, the road team swept. You had the you had the Falcons win in L.A. against the Rams. And then you had, I think, maybe the most surprising one of the weekend um, was another, yet another, Chiefs home playoff loss to the Titans. Yeah, that, that was almost their own 28-3 uh, moment, yeah. except for it wasn't in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know they got a big on them, and 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 some kind of way the Titans came back. I I was watching the game and couldn't believe it. I, I was about as stunned as the whole Chiefs sideline. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's something wrong there. I mean, what what is it with the Chiefs in the playoffs anyway? <laughs> I, I don't know. Andy Reid. I mean, I, I don't get it. Like. How do you give that? They basically gave that game away at the end. They really did. That's what's so, I mean, got to be so maddening if you're a Chiefs fan because, like, you had it. You had it in hand. I mean, I, I remember at one point in the second quarter thinking, man, I'm bored. This game better get better in the second half. Right. I thought it was all, all but over. You know, it, it just didn't look like the Titans could do much on offense. The Chiefs no. were doing whatever they wanted to on offense. Yep. So, uh, it, yeah. Yeah. It definitely changed after halftime. Well, you know, I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it, but, like, the thing that really stood out to me is, so the Titans, I think, had the first possession, and they controlled the ball and scored, and they, you know, I mean, they, they held on to the ball for a long time after the half. But when the Chiefs get the ball back, they get into that stupid side-to-side West Coast passing game. And it's like you just wanted to call, like, you wanted to call down to the sidelines and be like, hey, do you guys remember this guy named Kareem Hunt? He's pretty good. You ought to give him the ball some. Yeah, I definitely uh, thought there was a situation where they got away from the run a little too early, um, especially because of the fact that they were ahead. I mean, you would think that that would be another factor yeah. why you would want to run the football more is because you are ahead and you want this game to end as soon as possible. Yeah. And Kareem Hunt is the kind of guy that you can give him the ball on first and second down and then either get you a first down out of those two or get you a third and one. I yeah. mean, what is the downside? I, I just <laughs> I, it, it, People try to make football in the rocket science when it's not. Like you said, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Give the ball to fucking Kareem Hunt and let's go. Yeah. Yeah, I, it just it, and like, you know, they lost Kelchi. He went down with the concussion, and like, I don't know if it was just like the Andy Reid panic sets in or what happened. But like, I mean, this is you know we've seen this before. We've seen Reid blow a big lead with the Chiefs in the playoffs before. It's just like a Tiger doesn't change his stripes, I guess. I mean, I guess, and, and to be fair, the Titans did pick it up. 
the one thing yeah. that was that stood out to me about the, you know their part of it was Marcus Mariota finally decided to make things happen on his own. And to me, the more he does yeah. that, the better. I was literally screaming at the TV, just run, just take off running. <laughs> you got just as much chance of being successful as throwing to some of these sorry-ass receivers you got. I mean, guys yeah. just dropping the ball right in their hands. Yeah. And so finally, he threw the ball to himself, basically, and got the first touchdown. Yeah. And, and I just feel like, you know, Delaney Walker talked about this. He said sometimes you have to overcome coaching. Yeah. And that's the truth. It, it, the Titans are so much more dangerous when Marcus Mariota takes off because he takes off still looking down the field and he can still deliver the ball down the field on the run when he's made the defense have to adjust, okay? And if he doesn't see anything, he can get you five, ten yards in a in a blink of an eye. Yeah. And, and this offense isn't really set up to be that great with him from the pocket because they don't have a bunch of guys who can just get open. They don't have a bunch of guys who can work uh, across the middle, you know, yeah. like a Wes Welker or something like that. So the more he breaks contain and, and puts pressure on the defense that way, the better for the Titans, I think, not only last weekend, but this weekend, looking forward to, to the Patriots matchup as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, that coaching point's really interesting because I remember the – I think it maybe it was the Marcus Peters interception play. But, like, you had that – I don't think they were in trips, but – you had three Titans receivers all within about an arm's reach of each other. And just like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> right. Now, Down the field, fairness, all bunched up. In fairness, there are very few cornerbacks that would have jumped their route the way that Peter no, did. No, no. But sure. you're right. Like, the spacing was off because that offense, that's, that happens a lot. You know, guys just, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. But they're running the right routes. They just run them at different speeds, I guess. Yeah. And so at a point where a guy's already supposed to be cleared, he's still kind of in the way. Yeah. And that's how you get that interception when you have a superior ta talent like Marcus Peters, who isn't afraid of guessing wrong, basically. Yeah. Because if he guesses wrong on that play, it's a touchdown. Yeah. For his guy. But he gets right. And, and, and he looks like a genius and, and the best thing since sliced bread. So... Um, but that's what I mean. I mean, you would have much been better served if you're the Titans by Marcus Mariota saying, you know what? <laughs> Fuck that pass. It's gonna be a, <laughs> in, in the best of circumstances, it's going to be a hard throw, a hard completion. Let me take off running and get something with my legs. Yeah. Yeah, and sure enough, that is. That's what worked. That and, uh, you know, everyone kind of having to learn. If you, didn't, if you didn't know the definition of forward progress – you you heard a lot about it during that game, but you probably didn't have a much better understanding of it than uh, than Jeff Triplett did that day. So, yeah, <laughs> that was our catch rule last week. <laughs> I've never been I've never had so many people ask me about forward progress in a four day <laughs> span than I did after that game. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It had actually come up recently, too. I can't remember why. Yeah. But that same kind of play had come up recently uh, in a game I, I can vaguely remember. Yeah. But yeah, you know, just. <laughs> I mean, how, the, how Jeff Triplett got a playoff game in the first place is pretty amazing, but. Nobody ever really questions that either. They just like, you know, here, here's the, the rest for the playoffs. 
And nobody kind of goes back and says, well, how did they earn this? Yeah. Because I'm a little confused. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen your games this year. I wasn't all that impressed. <laughs> Speaking of questionable play calling, the Falcons managed to pull it out despite a, despite a few moments where I thought for sure they were trying to get Julio Jones killed on some plays, but... They got a little help from some uncharacteristic early Rams special teams fumbles in the first half there. Yeah, and that's the thing. All too often we overlook that third part of the game, the kicking game. Yep. When we when we you know start talking about uh, favorites and, and who's going to win a playoff game, but sometimes you just, things just happen that you can't foresee. I mean, they have a Pro Bowl. The guy's going to the Pro Bowl this year, and he ends up fumbling what twice. And you, you just don't you, you just don't expect that kind of thing to happen. Um, but I will say um, I'll give the Falcons uh, 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 their credit for the second half offensive game plan. Yeah. Because I think at halftime they kind of got together and figured we can't block Aaron Donald. Every time we <laughs> drop back, it's a fucking it's chaos. Okay. And so they started to run the ball. And, yeah. And it was, they were effective running the ball. I think. That first drive, there were like 17 plays and like maybe two of them were drop back passes. Even the passes they threw were like quick passes, you know, uh, 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 screens, wide receiver screens and stuff like that. But they ran the football at Aaron Donald, away from Aaron Donald, but they knew he couldn't have the same kind of impact against the run the way he yeah. was against the pass. I mean, the first half <laughs> – Matty Ice was, was lucky to still see the second half, to be honest with you. He had some real close near misses by Aaron Donald. He was just beating everybody. I mean, it didn't matter who they put in front of him. They were double-teaming him. He was still getting in the backfield in a hurry. Yeah. And so the second half, somebody came up with the bright idea, well, let's just run the damn ball. And it worked out great for them because it ran the clock, and it, they still were able to move the ball down the field in the field goal range. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like the Falcons haven't had a bad experience with that before, right? They, and that's my point. They kind of learned their lesson. It looks like that. Look, let's run the football and get out of here with a win instead of quote unquote trying to be aggressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see. Okay, Sunday's games. Um, the Jaguars game. That one. That's the one you mentioned with the the what was it? Thirteen points total. I mean. Yep. You basically had a little bit of a Tim Tebow-esque kind of performance from Blake Bortles, but they did it and they managed to do it anyway. Uh, Blake Bortles had one more yard rushing than he did passing yes. in that game to give you an idea of his performance. And he ran the ball 10 times. It wasn't like it was just one long run. He was really effective running the football in the second half yeah. after he hadn't been able to throw it for damn in the first half. Yeah. But what did I say before the game? I said it didn't matter about his stats. All that matters is that he didn't turn the football over because he's never seen a turnover that he didn't like to turn into two. You know, if he threw one, he was yes. going to throw two or three. But he found a way, and he did throw a couple that almost got picked off, but he found a way to get through the game without a turnover, and then they end up winning the game. And he did just enough mm -hmm. to help them with that. He did throw a touchdown. He did run them down in the field goal range uh, uh, on one drive. And so – you know, you have to give him credit for the fact that he he didn't blow the game, at least. No, not at all. And and the defense really did its part. It, it was one of those games where, 
Like I saw, like my timeline, people were kind of bitching about it. Like this is a this this game sucks. This game's really boring. It's like the Jaguars' defense is playing really well today, so I wouldn't just necessarily write the whole game off because the defense was was doing some pretty nice work out there. As you Listen, know, we saw a little bit about that with Haas of the Week this week too. Oh, absolutely. Calais Campbell was all over the place, making plays not only for himself but for his teammates as well. But the thing about that defense is. People who are selling this shorter, they just think the Bills are bad and Tyrod Taylor can't throw, are going to get a rude fucking awakening this week when they see them against the Steelers because they're going to put the clamps on a lot of those guys. Yeah. Okay, I can't wait to see J- Jalen Ramsey and, and uh, uh, Brown. I mean, Antonio Brown. That's going to be uh, just worth the price of admission oh, itself. yeah. <laughs> but before you can even get to them, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is going to have to have time to throw the football. And I'm not sure he's going to have a whole lot of it this week. And so, like I said, a, a lot of people who haven't really followed the Jazz or they feel like the Jazz got lucky this year or something like that, they're going to be in for a rude awakening when they see those Jaguars get out there against the Steelers. I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but the Steelers are going to have a hard time moving the ball down the field. That's for damn sure. Yeah, for sure. And you know what's kind of funny? I didn't realize this until well, – the, the Steelers have historically had some trouble with the Jags. Now, I mean, it's not always been the same team, but you go back early, obviously they, you know, what was that, the five-interception game from Roethlisberger this year against the Jaguars, something like that. And then you hey. had the, 10 years ago, obviously a much different team, but 10 years ago, the last time the Jags were in the playoffs, they beat, they beat Pittsburgh on the road. All I'm saying is don't let Blake Bortles beat you. You do not want to catch that rap. Bills fans were just happy to be there after what a 17 year absence uh, uh, being in the playoff. But Steelers fans, y'all gonna catch so much hell if you lose to Blake Borders. I ain't saying it's gonna happen. I'm saying you better hope it don't happen. (laughs) Oh man. And then you had the other NFC game uh, last week on Sunday, the Panthers-Saints game, which to me was pretty much as advertised. That was a, that was a pretty good game. Oh, that was a hell of a game. Uh, several times I, I was ready to count the Panthers out, and, and yet they kept fighting and, and making it a game all the way up to the end of the game. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you couldn't really hope for more than that in a playoff game. Uh, it, it just it was a slugfest right down to the very end. Yeah. And you saw that. It was kind of funny because they didn't, I mean, they did. They put the lid on Kamara and Ingram in that game. But, you know, then you had vintage Drew Brees come out. So that's uh, that's going to be a hell of a team, this, that Saints team. Right. Uh, I talked about it last week. When you run the football as much as they did this year, it allows you to save Drew Brees for these moments. Yeah. And then he goes out there and almost throws for 400 yards, right? And so now you can kind of afford for those guys not to have the greatest game. And to a certain extent, the Saints didn't really use them as much as they had in previous games either. So it wasn't just that they weren't quite as effective. They were actually leaning a little bit more on Drew Brees' game than they had for most of the season. Yeah. Because, again, you got to account for those running backs, right? And so a lot of those passes were play-action pass. And and, and 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 Drew Brees is fresh because he hasn't had to put the team on his back the whole year. Yeah. And so why wouldn't you use him in that way? And this game, you know, coming up against the Vikings, I can't wait to see 
that matchup because we know the Vikings defense has been incredible this season. Mm -hmm. They have, uh, you know, on every level of their defense, they have stars. Okay. But this Saints offense can beat you in a multitude of ways. Yeah. Right. They they're multi, uh, they have so many wide receivers that do all different kind of things for them. Big guys, fast guys, what have you. They got those running backs in the backfield and they got Drew Brees pulling the trigger. Okay, that's going to put a lot of pressure on them. If the Saints can can be successful early, and that's what they do in most games, they march down the field on that first drive. If they can get on the board early and kind of get the Vikings on their heel, heels, it'll be interesting to see how their Vikings offense responds in kind. Because, like I said, with this Saints team, I think you're going to have to score at least about 30 points if you want to beat them in these playoffs. Yeah. Now, I, let's just go ahead and jump into that, because I'm kind of curious to know your thoughts on that. I mean, you expand on that a little bit, because this was a tough one, I think, to pick. I mean, I think you look at our panel, and people are pretty d evenly divided on Minnesota and New Orleans in this game. Well, for me, I, I feel like uh, the Saints have a decided advantage when you talk about the offense. Their offense is much better than the Vikings offense, even though the Vikings offense is still pretty good. Yeah. So then you look at their defenses and I think that the Saints defense matches up better against the Vikings. than maybe the Vikings defense matches up against uh, the Saints offense. Mm -hmm. So to me, I, I just feel like you got Drew Brees and these running backs, you know, just are incredible in the things that they can do. They're interchangeable. And, you're going to have to defend everything at once. Yeah. You're not going to be able to key on any one running back or this is what they're going to do. They are so unpredictable because they can they can succeed whether they're running the football or throwing the football no matter who's in there. Yeah. So I just feel like this is going to be a great challenge for their Vikings defense. Who They play well all season, but I think this is going to be one of the toughest matchups for them. Just because they can do every the Saints can do everything on offense. Yeah, yeah, and that should be a good one. It's in Minnesota, but I, you know I don't know. You know that's a. It's kind of funny that you finally get a Saints team that was that's really built to play on the road and just about anywhere in the play in January, and they might not have to play outside in January at all. <laughs> right. That's that's the crazy thing, right? Because you know if. If the Vikings were playing outside, you probably would give them the advantage. Yeah. Even though the Saints are built to you know, play wherever these days, you just figure the Vikings maybe are a little bit more accustomed to it. But, hell, the Saints play in the Dome all the time. This would be like home for them aside, aside from the crowd. And so, uh, I, I, you know, th they're going to be very comfortable inside against the Vikings this, this weekend. Yeah, for sure. And that's a, that, that's a, a good segue to the other – NFC game because we could have uh, we could have a Saints Falcons NFC championship game if the Falcons can beat Nick Foles and the Eagles, which I think obviously the thing that everyone sort of keyed in on in that game is the fact that Nick Foles is starting and not Carson Wentz. So let me ask: Does is there a way the Eagles can win with Nick Foles outside oh, of just a total Atlanta meltdown? No, I think the Falcons are going to win. Uh, against against the Eagles. And I was just thinking about that earlier today. Uh, I know that uh, there's a very good chance that the Vikings beat the Saints, even though I picked the Saints. Right. But if we could get that Saints 
Falcons, NFC Championship oh. game. Do you know how many fights there will be in the stands in that game? Because <laughs> yep. those two fan bases hate each other. I'm talking about hate each other. Like, you know, college football, Alabama, Auburn kind of hate. And and, and it's, it's like, it, it almost kind of floats under the radar because it, it seems like in recent times, Neither one of them were good at the same time, really. You know, like the Saints were real good and the Falcons were, were kind of floundering. And now the Falcons are kind of good and the Saints are kind of floundering. Yeah. But now they're, prob- they're probably going to meet in the NFC Championship game. Man, the, you, the trash talking <laughs> and the, talking about people's mamas and making all kinds of inappropriate <laughs> jokes. Uh, look, our SB Nation staff might be at it. You know, we got, we got some Saints, some diehard Saints fans and some diehard Falcons fans, look, man, this, this could break up some families. I'm just saying, this 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 is going to be a big deal if they can do it. And I do think the Falcons are set up to beat the Eagles because of Nick Foles. Let's be honest about it. You could talk around it all you want to. Nick Foles is no Carson Wentz. Yeah. And he has looked like he has just got less and less confidence at the more he's played since yeah. Wentz got, went down. That's the crazy thing about it is, you kind of expected him to feel more comfortable as he played more, but it looked like he got less comfortable. And now you're going against a Falcons defense that looked fucking awesome last week. Yeah. Right? I mean, those guys stood up and, and were accountable against the, the Rams. They really played better than I expected them to in, in every phase of the game. And, and they look like they're playing as good a football as anybody in the playoffs. And so if, if the – Eagles match that on defense, great. But the Eagles won't be facing their own offense. The Falcons going to be facing Nick Foles, and the Eagles are going to have to contend with Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. Okay, and like I said last week, shit, the the, the Falcons showed that they can run the football effectively and in the game too. Yeah. So uh, th- that Eagles defense already has a hell of a challenge in front of them trying to defend the Falcons, but now they got to feel even more pressure knowing that their offense probably won't be that successful with Nick Foles pulling the trigger. So, you know, if there's a game that I had to pick that I said, look, this one looks like it might end up being a blowout, it would be this game right here because I think the Falcons are just going to overwhelm the Eagles once they get a lead in that game. Yeah. Devonta Freeman looked like, oh, he was running like madman last week. I mean, he didn't put up huge yards or anything, but he just looked good running the football. And you get that mix with him and Tevin Coleman in there. I mean. Yeah, they, you know what? The Rams <laughs> couldn't tackle for shit last week. They no. couldn't tackle those guys. Coleman and uh, uh, Devontae Freeman just kept, they looked like they were down and they would find a way to stay up and they kept getting those extra yards. And so the Eagles had better, you know, they had a week off. And that's great, but they be better be ready to tackle this weekend because if the Falcons decide to just run the football at them again, it could get ugly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And quick, too. I mean, you know, you could see a situation where if Atlanta can kind of jump out to an early lead, man, it could get real ugly. I mean, it, it trickles down. You know, it, the Falcons get a lead, and then the Eagles offensively aren't doing much. Now guys on defense feel like they have to do more, and now they're jumping on routes and stuff, and now you get even in more of a hole. And so that's that's the thing about it is everybody knows the elephant in the room is Nick Foles. Yeah. Okay, they desperately need him to come out and play well from the get-go. If he flounders at all, 
okay, the confidence in that whole team is going to be shaken. Guys are going to try to make, you know, plays that maybe they aren't supposed to try to make, and they're going to give up big plays that way. I'm just telling you, Nick Foles is going to be the key to this game regardless. Most of the time that's unfair to put it on one guy, but if Nick Foles comes out looking like he looked at the end of this season all shaky and shit, man, that whole team is going to reflect that lack of confidence that he's showing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's switch over to the AFC. Uh, the other, the AFC game on Saturday is, uh, it's the biggest spread of the week, and it's, I think, the one that everyone just sort of assumes is is uh, is going to be sort of a, a, a practice kind of game for the Patriots. But uh, the Titans at the Patriots. Um, going back to something you said earlier when we were talking about the Chiefs-Titans game, once the Titans kind of let Mariota do a little bit more, either that or just Mariota kind of did it himself, It uh, things got noticeably better for the Titans. Now, I, I mean, I obviously the Patriots match up well across the board against this Titans team, but, you know, the Patriots have struggled a little bit with quarterbacks who play a little bit more like that. You go back to that Kansas City game in the first of the season, Deshaun Watson, I mean, Cam Newton. This is a... You know, this if there's a way for the Titans to win, I think it goes through Mariota. Oh, absolutely. It's going to fall on his shoulders because, again, he's going to have to have to perform outside of the confines of that offense. Yeah. That offense just it doesn't do enough to accentuate uh, his best qualities. And the, even when he does stay in the pocket, his receivers are dropping footballs left and right. So why not do more of it on your own? Look, they rested him up the whole season for these moments. If you if you are ever gonna run and dive, you know, head first, it's gotta be this game because they know they have to keep up with the the Patriots. The Patriots always bury people at the end of the game because they're trying to come back from a 14-point deficit and then they start making even more mistakes. Okay. So if the Titans go down again like they did against the Chiefs, I don't think they have a shot this this week. But from the get-go, Mariota, when he doesn't see anything, has got to use his legs. He has got to put stress on that defense because, look, Belichick is a lot like Saban yeah. okay, in the college game. He has all these rules for his players, and, and he sets his defenses up that way. When you do something outside of that set of rules they have, you put pressure on that defense. Mariota scrambling and putting pressure on that defense, should I drop? Should I stay here? Should I go up to try to second contain? That kind of thing is going to open up the avenue for big plays. And maybe they can get uh, uh, the Ricky Davis down the field and throw it up to him. But if he just tries to stay in the pocket and be a pocket passer, that is playing into Belichick's hands. Yeah, and the sure. Titans won't have a shot in hell of winning unless Mariota has a good game this week. No, and that's what you wonder. The Titans seem to be that team that is just hell-bound to – clip its own wings week after week this season. <laughs> Which uh, kind of brings me back to what Delaney, what you, the Delaney Walker quote you'd mentioned earlier in the show about sometimes you got to work out the, the coaching holds you back a little bit. <laughs> right. And, 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 and for some people it's more than others, right? Yeah. So if, if, if even if he had a little bit better offense coordinator, sometimes it's just a better play for Mariota to do something with his legs than just wait there in the pocket for somebody to get open. Because, again, it, it's a a whole uh, – uh, the whole view of the thing 
they don't have a whole lot of uh, uh, talent at wide receiver either, right? So you sitting in a pocket isn't necessarily going to mean <laughs> that a guy's going to break open, right? Yeah. So why even waste time sitting there waiting for something to happen when you can make something happen yourself? Yeah. And so to me, I just feel like no matter what, man, he's got to look and, and look around him and say, okay, I got Delaney Walker. You know, Davis might have a, a big player or two in him. Decker, who knows? <laughs> you know, some yeah. games he can catch, some days he can't. But basically, if I don't see Delaney Walker open, I'm taking off. Period. Yeah. Because that's the kind of pressure he needs to put on that Patriots defense. And once he gets a few first downs with his legs, now they have to adjust. Now you've made them do something that they won't, don't want to do, and maybe you can take advantage of it within the confines of the offense. But until that defense respects you, until you do something to make them respect you, every all of your abilities, the ability to run, to be able to throw on the run, all of those things, that defense isn't going to be bothered. They're, they're just going to play the rules like Belichick says every week, and they're going to pick them off because Marcus Mariota at this point in his career isn't talented enough in the passing game to just win from the pocket. Yeah. Not against the Patriots. No. Not when they've had – you know, all this time to prepare for you. Yeah. This is not going to happen. No, I mean, there's, there is, there's just, there is zero margin for error if you're the Titans in this game, in any facet of the game. I mean, you just can't, you know, that's what the, one thing the Patriots do so much better than everybody else is they will find that tiny little mistake you've made and just jump on it. They're, they're going to get after him with protections. They're going to know the Titans' protections and they're going to send. You know, they won't probably blitz a lot, but they will send blitzes at the perfect time yeah. to attack your protection. And they know what wide receivers can't get open. Yeah. And so they're going to double Delaney Walker. I can almost guarantee you that they're going to double Delaney Walker and they're going to single up a bunch of these other guys that they don't think can beat them. Yeah. And they're going to force, they're almost going to force Mariota to, to work outside the confines of the pocket. So it's going to be up to him to actually accept their challenge and do something about it. Yeah. No, I mean, if I were the Titans, I would have signed some of some of my players up to be a to be in the Tom Brady Guru's program to maybe like plant some seeds about electrolytes or some shit like that in there. I don't know. That's kind of a funny story. That, that's kind of in the backdrop of this the Patriots postseason run here. Oh yeah, the uh, the Tom Brady trainer guy. Yeah, and then the whole you know the 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 conflict with him and Bel supposedly with him and Belichick and Kraft in the middle of all this. So well, it'll be interesting watching the Patriots this postseason and into the next year to see. I mean, cause I think sometimes the fact that all you've got those kind of egos at that level for five Super Bowls and it lasted as long as it has is pretty amazing in and of itself. It rarely happens. Yeah. And, and I think that we got so comfortable with them finding a way to to make it work that yeah. we just assumed that it would never have any friction. But but look, even if you don't believe a single word of the report, uh, I think it was from Seth Wickersham, yeah. uh, the ESPN report about them not getting along. Yeah. One thing is true. We have always said that Bill Belichick likes to trade players a year early yeah. or cut them a year early. And Tom Brady wasn't going to be any different. We knew this day was coming. Tom Brady can't play forever. Yeah. And obviously, 
uh, Bill Belichick felt felt the same way, which is why he drafted Garoppolo in the first place. Mm-hmm. He groomed him. He put time into into him, making him get ready to be the next Tom Brady. Yeah, and he had invested that time in him. And so, if Tom Brady saw him as a threat, and the owner sided with Tom Brady, well, yeah, I can see there being some conflict there because guess what, Bill Belichick, I'm sure feels like. He is the architect of all of this. Yeah. Even when Tom Brady has gone down, Bill Belichick has found a way to win. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and get various people from assistant coaches to backup quarterbacks paid. Yeah. And so, you know, to have the owner side with a temporary guy, whereas the coach and the owner are supposed to be more, you know, permanent guys. Yeah. I'm sure it's stuck in his crawl. Yeah. And for Tom Brady, they're probably emboldening him a little bit if he could get the owner. And let's be clear, if if, if this wasn't mandated by the owner that uh, Belichick had to trade Garoppolo, then that fucking trade makes no sense. Not for what he traded him for. No. It just doesn't. <laughs> because if he let it be known that Garoppolo was available, he'd have got way more than that for him. Oh, yeah. Way more than that for him. So just... By the virtue of the fact of who Belichick has shown himself to be, a shrewd uh, a negotiator, a guy who usually we we just automatically assume he won a trade, right? Quote unquote. Yeah. So for him to get, I mean, he really gave him away for peanuts. Yeah. So if he wasn't mandated by Robert Kraft to do that, why would he possibly do that? Yeah. Why would he possibly just give Garoppolo away? Out of the blue, kind of, too. I mean, it's not like there was a, like you say, it's not like there was, you know, phone call after phone call after phone call from teams. He called them. Yeah, because teams gave up after the spring when he wouldn't trade. Right, when he, when he wouldn't trade, he called, he, he, he dialed them up like, hey, y'all want this? What you want to give them for me? Okay, so, <laughs> I mean, seriously. And so, I mean, this, to me, just the elements of the story make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Okay. We know that he made the trade for less than what most people would say was Garoppolo's fair uh, market value as far as the trade value. Yeah. Okay. We know that Bill Belichick had been grooming him to take over for Tom Brady whenever Tom Brady was going to retire, get traded, or or whatever they were going to do with him. Yeah. And we know that there was coming a time where they were going to have to make a choice, plain and simple. Yeah. They're either going to have to pay. Garoppolo and get rid of Brady or keep Brady and get rid of Garoppolo. And I just don't see how it with with everything we know about Belichick and how he treats these situations yep. that he went with the 40-year-old guy. Yeah. That only has a couple more years at most in the league. Yeah. I just don't see that being the way he would operate. Yeah. And so it makes sense. That, but it ultimately, ultimately, after all of that, what matters most is if they can kind of you know, put their ego aside, all of them, and decide that staying together is, is what's going to work out best. Because does Tom Brady really want to be coached by somebody other than Belichick to end his career yeah. in New England? Somebody else might come in and really, really not have any kind of loyalty to Brady, want to bring in his own quarterback and rush him out the door anyway. Yeah. And, and does, does Kraft want to deal with the new head coach after all this time? Does Bill Belichick want to have to deal with one of these new age uh, owners who always wants to be in your business, never yeah. wants to let you run anything. 
I think at the end of the day, they all kind of step back and say, you know what? Maybe we can't even stand each other right now, but our best chance for success is staying together. Yeah. And they figure a way to uh, uh, work it out. But that doesn't mean that that story wasn't true. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, I, I think there's a lot, and it'll be interesting following it into the spring and into next season. You know, Brady's going to be 41 years old next year. I mean, there's just not a lot of – I mean, go look it up. There's not a lot of quarterbacks who have a big season at 41 years old. And, and there are even fewer, if any, who do it at 42 years old. So, I mean, the writing's on the wall. I mean, Father Time's undefeated. There's only – you know, there's only so much you're going to, your electrolytes and kale smoothies are going to do for you after the age of 40 when it comes to playing the game of football. Right. And, and I mean, <laughs> there's no heir apparent. That's the real problem. Yeah, Ain't exactly. Isn't anymore when Brady decides to fall off because whenever that is, unless he actually plays five more seasons or something, they don't have an heir apparent anymore. They don't have a guy that they are grooming anymore. And Belichick, probably as much as anybody knows, there's no guarantee he's going to find another Garoppolo. No, not at all. None. He knew with Garoppolo he had a chance. Yeah. Now he's got to start all the way over. He already had gotten rid of uh, the other backup quarterback and traded him uh, to the Colts early in the season. Now you just got to, you know, they, they have a guy there that, that was cut by the 49ers. Where? And just there basically because he and Brady are friends, yep. right? And, and, but but friends ain't gonna win you no damn games if Brady go down. No, and you so, don't you don't sustain a dynasty with Brian Hoyer as your as your starting absolutely not. So again, I mean, I'm sure he's pissed about all of this, but at the end of the day, I mean, if you win a couple more with Brady, who gives a shit? Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, you, just I go mean, out you win on a top. couple more. Rings with Brady, you can go ahead and just finally retire. Fuck it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, from a coaching, from, like, Belichick standpoint, it's like, are you at this age and this stage in your career, you know, you've won five Super Bowls, you're competing for a six, are you really going to want to go somewhere and rebuild? Are you really going to want to go somewhere where you're a year or two away from, I mean, you know, you're not, he's probably not going to take another 17-year job. You know what I mean? Right, and just, I mean, you have to adjust everything all over again. And he's lived that nomadic life before being an assistant coach. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of reasons to believe that if they all step back and really look at the situation, they'll feel, figure out, hey, you know, the grass really isn't greener on the other side. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's amazing, too, how quickly, how suddenly – a player falls off too with his age. I just was, you know, like with Peyton Manning, just like the dramatic drop from season to season with him and any player. I mean, you know, one year they're okay. You can see they're not the same player at 40 that they were at 35. That's obvious, but man, and then just like they're okay and they're okay. And then one season they're just, it's, it's over. I mean, they're just, they're not even, you know, able to get to like a backup level kind of thing. And, you know, it's, it's usually an injury of some yeah, kind. Yeah, yeah. An injury of some kind that takes much longer to heal up and get back to 100% than normal. And then they got to fly over to Germany and get some blood injected <laughs> in them or something, some shit like that, just to be able to play where they used to just be able to get some ice and stem and bounce back. And that's usually what leads to their precipitous fall off is that, you know, once they're injured, they simply cannot perform up to the way they used to, and they can't bounce back. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, the other game in the AFC. I'm I'm telling you what, I've talked about it enough. I was talking about Adam, one of our writers, who's a Jaguars fan in Slack today and just a little bit earlier on the show tonight. I'm I'm seriously thinking about going back and changing my pick to the Jags in this game. And as, as much as, you know, it's not like I would. I, I have to beat the odd shark computer, so it's not like I'm... I've got a lot of pride to play for here, but uh, I'm I'm tempted to go and change it. I feel like of all the games, that's the one where you could see an upset this week. Uh, it, it it could definitely happen, and and it's one of those situations where you can. There's a lot of reasons why you can see the Steelers looking past them, yeah, and looking for the Patriots, right? Yeah, and then there's the whole you know, Cam Blake Bortles. Not have a turnover. That always helps them to win games as long as he doesn't turn the football over. doesn't really necessarily matter yeah. how many passing yards he has. And then that defense. Can that defense score? You know, we know we had they had all those interceptions before, but now, you know, Jalen Ramsey might take one to the house or A.J. Boye. Yep. Or maybe one of those uh, 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 defensive linemen gets a sack and calls fumble. There's a lot of ways for that defense to make a positive impact on this game as long as Blake Bortles doesn't turn the football over. Yeah. And so, like you said, there's a lot of reasons to believe that, but there's a lot of reasons not to as well. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be playing in the cold, Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles, <laughs> cold, Blake Bortles, okay? I still don't think Leonard Fournette is anywhere close to, to as healthy as he was early in the season. He just doesn't seem to have – that extra gear anymore. And so you can't really expect as much out of him as well. And, you know, their their offense just isn't the same with him in there as a legitimate threat. So, uh, you know, their defense can only do so much. And once again, Blake Bortles. (laughs) I mean, I feel like they kind of have to come out and establish their style of play right away, the Jaguars. I mean, they got to run the ball. They've got to... They've got to, and they probably need an early lead if they're going to win this one so that they can kind of turn that defense loose. Yeah. Uh, see, if the thing is, I, I feel like the Steelers are going to throw the ball regardless. Yeah. So uh, whether they're up or down. But I think that that will give that defense opportunities to make plays. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it would be the smartest thing in the world if they just hand the ball off to Le'Veon 30, 40 times this game. And, and run that Jacksonville defense down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And then, you know, get you some play-action passes that's open. But you, you kind of get the feeling like sometimes the Steelers just feel like they can do whatever they want to against the opposing defense, and they don't really account for the defense, even if that defense is pretty damn good. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see <laughs> what what kind of ratio they come out with. Because, again, they might think their game was a fluke earlier. They might think that, hey, Blake uh, – uh, Roethlisberger can can throw all over that defense. I would beg to differ, but, you know, sometimes you have to be smart enough to know that, look, if we wait long enough, Blake Bortles will make a mistake, and then we can capitalize on it. Yeah. But, you know, if they're a little greedy, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to take shots and this, you know, we're not scared of that defense. Shit, you ought to be. That's all I say. (laughs) If you ain't scared of the Jacksonville defense, you damn sure ought to be. I mean, I, really and truly, I just like the biggest disappointment with me for the Jaguars last week was that we didn't get one of those just incredible post-game Jalen Ramsey moments, you know, at, at his locker, 
given his matter-of-fact style of trash talk. And maybe we'll get that this week. I, I sure hope so. I would like this. to see the Jags stay in the playoffs for Duval's sake and so that the world can see even more of Jalen Ramsey. I, look, you won't be able to to <laughs> you won't be able to hold this kid back <laughs> if he shuts down Antonio Brown. I don't give a damn if they win or not. He's going to be sassy as hell if he <laughs> shut down Antonio Brown. And once again, I bet you he's going to be on him pretty much most oh, of the yeah. game. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see because A.B. is just a different type of dude. Yeah. You know, he 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 he's, he's stronger than he looks, for one. Yeah. And he, he, he knows how to push off in ways that the, the, the uh, referees won't necessarily notice. Yeah. And so Jalen has to figure out a way to be physical with him without getting penalties, but also, you know, He's gonna have to do a little acting sometimes too when he gets that push off because you can't fight through it. Plenty of guys have tried. Next thing you know, all of a sudden uh, Antonio Brown has five yards of separation. How did he do it? Well, he pushed off, and a guy couldn't recover. So you know, Jalen Ramsey almost had to kind of fall out sometimes too to make to make the uh, referees kind of keep it honest. Yeah. But if not, I, I, look, Jalen Ramsey is a fantastic athlete, but Antonio Brown is just a different breed. I mean. <laughs> yeah. it's, if, if if you know he's gonna get Jalen Ramsey sometimes, but if Jalen Ramsey, if, if especially if they win, but if Antonio Brown doesn't have a big game, I'm telling you, Jalen Ramsey, that interview is gonna be epic after the game. <laughs> and shit, he might call out his other teammates that didn't play that good. Shit, oh, I yeah. cover my man. Remember, he used to say stuff like that. Oh you know, yeah. Oh, you know, smacking it up. I cover my man. My man, what what he have? <laughs> I mean, can you see him saying that shit after oh, this game? Yeah, Especially if they lose. I mean, Blake, y'all need to go talk to Blake because Antonio <laughs> Brown, how many catches he have? I didn't throw no interceptions. I, I ain't throw no interceptions. <laughs> I didn't I didn't form the ball. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait. I can't. And the best thing about this Jags team is like, you know, they should still be. I mean, injuries can always happen, obviously, but like we should have a good nucleus of this team together for a few more years. And that's just, it's going to be so much more enjoyable. Oh yeah. So if, you know, if the Jags leave the playoffs this week, we're still going to have good Jags as a regular thing going forward. Now that depends now. And they could go out and sign, you know, Blake Bortles to some $120 million contract or something, but. And see, the, see, the the owner said something recently that has me a little nervous for Jacksonville fans. You know, he he was kind of tooting his own horn about Blake Boyle. Yeah. See, y'all thought we was crazy for starting him, <laughs> uh, Mister Khan. Uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick could have still done all those things Blake Bortles did this year and better. Yeah. For less money. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want to be patting yourself on the back about Blake Bortles, and you know. I just hope he hasn't gotten his head like, see, see, we can make it to the playoffs with Blake Bortles because, man, that would be like the worst possible outcome of this season <laughs> for Jacksonville fans. Can you imagine if they woke up and saw Blake Bortles got signed to like a five-year contract or something? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I'd have to bring back the old Duval Twitter column, man. Oh, my goodness. They would go nuts. <laughs> Oh, that's, why I'm kinda, man. that's why I kind of want him to throw for like 400 yards in this game just because I love chaos. I kind of <laughs> want to see it happen just to see the reaction. Like, come on, Blake, throw for 400 yards and touchdown. 
Get, get them to the AFC championship game so they have to pay you. Blake Bortles is MVP performance, man. Yeah, listen. <laughs> they have to pay him if they go to the AFC championship oh, game, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I almost have to. It's, it's like a rule. So I, I just want to see it. 400 yards, five touchdowns. <laughs> get, them, get them to the AFC championship game. And then they can announce the uh, right, right before the game. Like, we're just reporting <laughs> Blake Borders has agreed to a five-year extension. Duval Twitter would go fucking nuts. Oh man, it would just it would overshadow everything, everything. Oh, and and not in a positive way. I can no, tell you not way. at all. We stuck with him for five more years. Oh man, we can't sign. We can't re-sign these guys because of Blake Bortles' contract. Man, Woo, listen. baby. <laughs> oh, Stephen. So we got a few more minutes here, and we can't let this topic go untalked. But uh, John Gruden, ten years, a hundred million dollars. That's a that's a that's kind of a big time coaching contract. Yeah, he he got he got paid a lot of money, and the Raiders are into him for ten years. I don't know if this is like players contract and like, you know, it's really a three year deal or something yeah. like that, but I, I doubt it. You know, usually coaches contracts are, are pretty much guaranteed. So look, I, again, I love chaos. So I love it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see what happens if it's obvious that he ain't the guy in year three of a 10 year contract. Yeah. I just can't wait to see how that works out. And then that third year, I'm pretty sure they'll be in Vegas by the end too. And so the on the field issues might be dwarfed by the oh, off the field issues. Oh, yeah. oh man, I'm look, I'm in it for the chaos. I can't <laughs> wait. I guess my, you know, like every year for, I mean, every since Gruden left to go to ESPN, and every year since then we've had you get all those rumors about him, whether it's in a, especially with the NFL, but you see him with the college stuff too. But always, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, they're gonna go get John Gruden. They're gonna try to get John Gruden. He wants to coach again. He. He's ready to come back. And now they somebody finally got him back. But I just, like, is part of this just the mystique? I mean, like, is he really that, like, is he really that $100 million coach versus somebody else that you could go out and hire for, say, $6 million or, you know, just your, everyone, anyone else in the coaching pool? Is he that big of a fish? Uh, well, it, it only matters that one guy thought he was. Yeah. Uh, the, the Raiders owner uh, mark davis decided that he wanted to to uh go after gruden and it turns out he pretty well admitted that he got gruden to say yes before he even fired luke del rio let alone satisfied uh the rooney rule yeah so uh for some odd reason he's he's obsessed with john gruden i guess other people are as well i, I never understand it I never understand it because um, the examples of coaches being out of coaching and coming back and being successful aren't, aren't that plentiful. No. Okay. You know, sometimes you get that that temporary buzz. You know, a year or two they're okay, but usually they fall off relatively quickly. Now with Gruden, I think that he's burnished his credentials uh, with you know the Gruden uh, 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 camp or whatever show and everybody loves that and being on Monday Night Football and everybody loves Spider 2, Y Banana <laughs> yeah. and all that, right? But that's entertainment. <clears throat> yeah. When you actually go back and look at his actual coaching record, 
especially the last few years here in Tampa, you kind of wonder what the fuck people are looking at. Yeah. Right? Because it wasn't just even the the up and down records from year to year. It was how he could not could not develop a young quarterback to no. save his life when he was here. And he and just not for lack of on, trying. And he grinded on people. And 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 you know, various guys accused him of being untruthful with them, of being, you know, a, a guy who says one thing and does another. And so uh, his players, a lot of them, didn't even like the guy. Yeah. But for some reason, like you say, he, he's been kind of the white whale for, for a lot of teams, college and pro, because they just assume because he keeps saying spider two wild banana over and over again <laughs> that he'll make a great coach. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see how he interacts with Derek Carr. You know, yeah. we'll see if that tough love. And he, look, a zebra doesn't change his stripes, man. Yeah. It, it just doesn't. It, Gruden was was a young coach when he started, but by the time he ended, you know, he had had, had to some age on him. Yeah. He is who he is. He ain't going to come in here with, uh, you know, uh, a whole bunch of rainbows and unicorns and shit. With his coaching style, he's going to be him snarling and the Chucky doll and all that shit yeah. and cussing out his quarterbacks and, and riding on them real hard and shit. And I don't know if Derek Carr is ready for all that. Yeah. And then what if he doesn't have success? He's going to call the plays. We always assume that anyway, but he made it clear he's going to be the offense coordinator. He's going to call the plays. So guess what? He can't even hide behind you know, g- gathering a superior staff. Yeah. This team is going to rise and fall with him calling plays on offense and basically, you know, being a quarterback coach too now because it looks like Rich Gannon isn't going to be the quarterback coach for him. Yeah. So, again, you sign this guy to a 10-year contract when he hasn't coached <laughs> in pretty much long. the same amount of time. <laughs> the game has changed. All these new concepts are, are, are integrated into the game now. And now he's got to be a play caller right off the bat. Yeah. Because it's just who he is. Yeah. And, and look, one of one of the uh, uh, criticisms when he was coaching here was the excessive verbiage of his play call. Yeah. You know, he would have a, a damn play call that it took 30 seconds to get out of your mouth. And now you got to line up and try to try to snap the football for five seconds. I mean, but he would literally have these long-ass uh, uh, play calls for no fucking reason. Yeah. Stuff the other could call in just a couple syllables. He got to call every little detail of it because he's a control freak. Yeah. So, again, look, maybe it'll work out. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. But there's a lot of reasons to think that it won't. And I'm very, very unsure of why some people are sure that it will. It, it, this has way more potential for blowing up in everybody's face than for working out well as far as history shows. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then the, when that kind of like, the expectations aren't going to be small either. I mean, this isn't like, oh, we're hiring you to come in here and get it, turn us into a nine win team or something. You know, they're, you don't make, a, you don't sign out, you don't offer up a $100 million contract if you're not intense your intention didn't to get to the super bowl pretty quickly and, and then look he, he's coming in during the transition so he's yeah. gonna have to deal with 
Raiders fans who's pissed off about them leaving in the first place. Yeah. Then you got to deal with Vegas fans who may or may not be interested when you get there. What if they don't even have a fucking fan base that shows up every Sunday once they do get to Vegas? Yeah. And again, like I said, look, man, <laughs> I'm just telling you, there's going to be some off the field problems in Vegas. <laughs> it, there's no fucking way around it. Yeah. Somebody's going to do something that's going to make the news. Yeah. Pretty much probably on a regular basis. <laughs> So just know that, you know, he's going to have a whole lot of stuff on his plate by the time they even make it to Vegas. And they still going to have like seven or eight years left to deal with him on that contract. Yeah. So like I said, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. Maybe it'll work out fine. But, you know, just to know that if he goes, you know, sub 500 the first three years, you still got seven more years left. (laughs) Yeah, let's see. Let's let's see how Raiders fans feel about that. I can't believe. I mean, I guess I'm the answer is one hundred million dollars. But like, to just like how they finally like you finally got him to leave the the cushiest job in the entire world. The highest he was the highest paid guy at ESPN to come back Look, in I, that coaching I told world. You, I, I I didn't believe it until I saw him at the presser. I really did not. I just yeah. felt like. Look, you can love football all you want to. Man, you of all people know that even with a Super Bowl, your ass can get fired. Yeah. Okay. And so there's no job security there. He was going to be on Monday Night Football forever. They probably would have gave him a a new show in addition to uh, Gruden quarterback camp or whatever. He could have done whatever he wanted to because his approval ratings was out the roof. He never said anything uh, remotely. Uh, 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 controversial. Uh, he loves everybody during most broadcasts. Yeah, you know, oh, this guy, he's a, you know, <laughs> and, and <clears throat> now he's going into this high stress world of coaching again. And again, it's one thing when you grinded it your whole life. Yeah. Now you don't took a break where you didn't have to grind like that no more. I don't give a damn what Gruden say. There's no way he was working at ESPN like he was working when he was here with the oh, uh, Bucks or out with the Raiders. Now you got to jump back later in life and get back into that kind of a, a schedule and that kind of a grind. And, you know, these these days, these players are a little bit different. Yeah. Maybe have a little bit more, uh, 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 you know, feeling like they confidence to talk back to the coach and all that shit. Man, it's a different world. It's, it's a different day. Yeah. And so I just don't understand his motivation. More power to him is, is his life, of course, but it couldn't be me. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I, it's going to be interesting to see. I tell you what. I mean, you know, it's a, it's, this story will fade out a little bit now, and then, but boy, come September, I'm telling you what, we're going to be, guess what? We're going to be talking like you're going to, all the Gruden stuff's going to be right out there. It's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to watch. Listen, what if, what if David Carr, re, I mean, Derek Carr regresses under him? Oh yeah. I mean, cause, it's, cause, cause it looks like right now they kind of set up for success. They just need the right coach. But what if he ain't the right coach? What if him and Derek Carr don't get along? All of a sudden you hear leaks. Yeah. Derek Carr and, and Gruden aren't getting along. 10 year contract. <laughs> guess who's gonna be gone first right exactly <laughs> and then there were already like it's starting to come out and i wonder i suspect more will come out too but 
there were there was a lot more tension in that locker room than than you know we re- kind of realized. You saw some of the stuff come out about Del Rio and his staff at the end, but I think there was. It sounds like there's going to be some reports of even more divisions and, and tension within that locker room coming out. So it's not like he's just walking into you know the Kumbaya festival there or anything. Right, and, and it's the Raiders. I mean, yeah, come on well. now. The controversy is their middle name. So. <laughs> yeah, if anything, they're due for some more controversy. Yeah, they really are. They're overdue almost. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh, it's like when you you're an earth when you live on a fault and you haven't had an earthquake in thirty years, you're going to get a bad one. <laughs> so I just real quickly, I you know some of the other coach hirings. I mean, whatever the new coaches that, that they've hired and haven't hired. I mean, it's interesting, but I think the stuff that's kind of stood out to me the most about this coaching change, coaching carousel season has been some of the assistant coaching moves. Green Bay finally fired Dom Capers, their defensive coordinator, and a lot of other people on the coaching staff, except for Mike McCarthy. Uh, they're bringing in Mike Patine uh, to coach the defense now. I mean, I, that, I thought that was kind of an interesting situation up there. You saw that stuff in Seattle. They cleaned uh, the Seahawks fans were panicked because they fired Daryl Bevel and, and they hadn't fired Tom Cable yet, the OL running game coach. But uh, they finally got their cleaning house in Seattle too. So I know I, th- I, I think some of these changes are, are really more interesting because, you know, Seattle and the Packers, these aren't like the teams where they're firing head coaches. These are teams that are contending teams and expect to be contending teams year in and year out. Yeah, and then you got uh, the situation with the Panthers. They got rid yes. of uh, Mike Shula. Brought in North Turner, though, so I don't really know what that's about. Um, except for the fact that evidently if your name is Turner and you're related to North, you can work for the Panthers. His whole family evidently <laughs> has been on the payroll at some point. And it looks like his son uh, will will be on the on the staff now with him as well. So, uh, other than that, I don't really get this ma- matchup of North Turner with Cam Newton, but we'll see how it works out. Um, but another, you know, in, in, a, in a roundabout way, also Mike Malarkey. Yeah. Mike Malarkey acknowledged that he thought he probably would be fired if he lost their playoff game to the Chiefs. Now they've committed to him for at least next season. <laughs> and so by winning the game, the Titans might have lost at the, at the game of life. <laughs> Right, won the battle, lost the war, and like Marcus Mariota, you had to have some kind of mixed feelings about all this. Yeah, yeah, he won the game, but oh my God, I got to run this same offense again next year. Yeah, so uh, you know, by them winning, that might have you know changed history, and now they won't get uh, 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 one of those Patriots assistant coaches to coach the Titans. Yeah, and that may in fact have a huge impact uh, on Marcus Mariota and the rest of that offense. So, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see who they hire in Seattle. Yeah. Because you you want them to figure out how to get an offense around Russell Wilson that really uh, showcases his talent a little bit more so he doesn't have to be running for his life every other play. Stuff of that nature. You know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. You would hope they could find a guy that could do that. Um, but, but you never know, man. I, I always remember – um, even with my bad memory, this one thing sticks out. Les Steckle, um, we hired Les Steckle to be our offense coordinator because it seemed like a good fit. Mm-hmm. He had been the Titans' offense coordinator 
And he and Tony seemed like they were very similar in personality, but he was a cluster F, you know, as an yeah. offense coordinator for us. He was terrible. And just all the reasons why we thought he would be an offense coordinator, what kind of, what kind of fools go? And so you can think that you are hiring the perfect coordinator. And then that guy just is, you know, he makes everything worse. You just never know. And so, you know, it, it, it'll be great for, you know, guys like uh, Russell Wilson or Cam Newton to have a new offense coordinator that can showcase them. I'm just not sure that's what's going to happen, at least definitely not with Carolina. You know, Norv ain't going to change his system after all this time. No. So we'll just have to see how Cam Newton handles that. Well, and that's why Norv left the Vikings in the first place, because he didn't want to change his system. Exactly. And, yeah, I mean, I just like, you know, and Norv has sort of always been that, you know, the big Eric Coriel, big dropbacks kind of offensive coordinator. So that's a – and when when have you seen the best performances from Cam Newton and the Panthers? When Cam Newton confuses the shit out of defenses, you know? I, I just – you take that out of it. I just don't. Yeah, that, that's going to be. They might have been going from bad to worse in Carolina. As hard as that is to believe. Right. I, I don't know that it's going to work out well for them, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, these will be interesting stories to follow this offseason, especially the Seattle one, because, like, you know, this is sort of a, this is a pivotal year for Seattle. I mean, this is where I think they're going to, like you say, they move away from that identity in the past, which was sort of you know, shut down defense in a, you know, damn good running game. And now it's going to be building that team around Russell Wilson as the primary factor in how they win games and how they, you know, their style of play and their identity and everything. Because, that, I mean, the defense too, I mean, those guys aren't getting any younger. I mean, and this is, you know, you're seeing the writing on the wall that, you know, the cornerstone players that have been there for a while now on that defense in Seattle aren't going to be there next season or the season after that you know uh uh pete carroll has made reference to you know some of those guys maybe not coming back from injury yeah including cam chancellor and he's been a huge part yeah of their success on defense and so it might be uh necessitated by some of these injuries by some of these guys uh, uh, michael bennett has talked about Maybe, you know, leaving this offseason, maybe the team moving on and and going younger, they might by necessity have to upgrade on offense because their defense just won't be the same anymore. Yeah. So we'll see how it works out. Uh, You know, you definitely wish the best for those injured guys. I would hate if we've seen the last of a Cam Chancellor playing. But uh, as a team, it'll be interesting, like you said, to see how they adjust if they do kind of have to go that route. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. I mean, this is like this is a man. We 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 are we're in a, we're in an interesting time of year. We got a few more weeks of the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl, and then we've got an off season with all the changes in the draft. So uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting spring. We'll have we will have a shitload of stuff to talk about on this little show. Yeah, we we'll have a little bit more than a little. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephen, let's uh, get together again next week and we can discuss uh, who knows what will happen this weekend with these games and look ahead to the AFC and NFC championships.
I'm just rooting for Duval. I'm still riding with y'all, Duval. Uh, go get this win at Pittsburgh. <laughs> Man, Duval in the Super Bowl. I just can't even. Look, don't let Blake Bortles beat you. That's all <laughs> I got to tell you. Do not let it happen. Oh, all right. We uh, we'll do it again next week. Can't wait.